Happy Easter, everybody. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, uh, welcome. We're super stoked that you're here. If this is normally your, your home church, you normally come here. Man, I'm so excited today to celebrate what Jesus has done and what that means for us, him being raised from the dead. The Apostle Matthew records it like this in Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Today, there's hundreds of millions of Christians gathering all over the world to celebrate this risen Jesus, right? Millions of them, even uh, their lives are threatened as they're gathered this morning, just because they follow Jesus. They know their lives might be taken. And yet they still gather. They know it, and yet they still gather. Why? Why gather for some, like, religion, for some belief, for some tradition that's passed down through their families? Well, as you can imagine, for them it isn't just some belief or some tradition that's passed down. They have encountered this living Christ. He has flipped their lives right side up. And it is as real to them as anything could be. And in this room today, sitting next to you, many of us here have, as weird as it sounds to some of us, have met Jesus. We've met this living Jesus. I stand here today unable to deny the reality that Jesus is alive. Look, I've I've looked, I've doubted, so I've looked you can, you know, you can do the research yourself. You can look at the scientific journals. You can look at the history books. Even the Smithsonian said years ago that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the most provable piece of history in all of antiquity. There's just so much evidence stacked in its favor. But for the Christian, it's not just the evidence. It's also the fact that Jesus has, like, actually changed our lives, right? He has given us a a purpose. He has made us alive from the inside out. He's given us a hope for something beyond ourselves and bigger than this world. So today, I don't want to talk about if Jesus actually rose from the dead. History has already spoken on that. What I want to talk about is if Jesus rose from the dead, then what does that mean for us? Christian, what does that mean for you today? Person who's here seeking. You know, you're asking a lot of questions. Maybe you've even been coming to church. It means something for you. What, what does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? Those of you who are here that uh, you like got invited by a friend or you're like, it's Easter. I should go to church on Easter. That's what I do. Christmas and Easter. I go to church. Or the person who's in the room who's like, hey man, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I really need a savior. I'm just here. Like I'm here because it's Easter. I got invited. Or you're here because you uh, you want to make your mom happy or your spouse happy, right? And so you're like, okay, I'll go to church, right? So one time a year, I'll do what mom says or what my wife says or what my husband says, right? I'll go, I'll go to church. But what about you? Like, is it possible that this dude 
who predicted and then pulled off his own death and resurrection, that that event might have some kind of significance, might have some kind of implication for your life today. I think that maybe, I think that maybe it just might. So then, what does it mean? Well, it means a lot of stuff. First of all, Jesus rising from the dead means that we are not alone in this world. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then it could have only happened one way, by the power of God. It's not some hoax. It's not some gimmick. You only rise by the power of God. And if it was the power of God, then that means that God is for real. And if God is for real, then you, my friends, and I, we are not alone in this world. And not just like an ethereal not alone, but like a God is here kind of not alone. Jesus rising from the dead also means that there is life after death for those who believe. Before Jesus even rose from the dead, he said, at a funeral, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though they may die, they will live again. Life can be cruel, right? Like this world can be cruel. People die. People are mistreated and abused. Children get terrible diseases. Adults get terrible diseases. But for those who believe, this is not the end. In fact, even the longest, greatest life on this earth is just a vapor. It's just like a, it's just a breath. Because there is something that is beyond this world. There is something beyond this life where God rules forever. Right? Where there's not, there's not people trying to be presidents that are ruling. There's not queens and kings. God of the universe rules forever. Where he is making everything right. Where there is no sickness. sickness, There is no pain. Where there's no more disease. There's no more suffering. And there's no more death. Jesus rising from the dead means that this place and this life is not the end for those who believe. Jesus rising from the dead also means that we have power and purpose. I'm talking to the Christians now for a minute. Listen, Jesus only rose from the dead by the power of God, right? It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't some trick or delusion. And if it was the power of God, check this out. Romans 8 says that that same power that rose you from the dead is now working in us. What? That's like gnarly power, dude. That's gnarly power. And God says it's working in you, Christian. So that means, listen, you're not defeated. You're not conquered. You're more than a conqueror. And though you may feel like it, you're not an addict. That's not who you are. You are powerful. You're not worthless. God says that you're, you're my masterpiece, he says. So I just want to say, stop, stop living like you're an unwanted, filthy slave to sin. You've been, that, that person's been crucified with Christ and you've been raised in newness of life. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is now working in you. And with that power comes purpose. You know, you don't, uh, 
raised from the dead just for kicks. Like, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And you also don't make spiritually dead people alive just for fun. In the same way that you don't put a V12 730 horsepower engine in a Ferrari just so it can sit in your garage. If you do that, I'll take it from you and do what it's supposed to do. I'll go drive it, right? In the same way, God did not put in you a spirit of power just to sit on the sidelines of his kingdom. He has given you a purpose in this life. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that you are an ambassador for Christ. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And as you pattern your life after the life of Christ, the world will see your good works and give glory to God. you got a purpose in that. That's who you are. Jesus rising from the dead means that you have power and purpose. So live like it. Christian, live like it. So Jesus rising from the dead means a bunch of stuff, right? I just listed off like five things real quickly. But I think the most important thing that it means is Jesus rising from the dead means that he is who he says he is. Jesus rising from the dead means that he is who he says he is. If some dude uh, walks up to me in a major league baseball uniform and says, hey man, I'm a pro ball player. I'm like, eh, yeah, that's cute. Like, it's a nice, like, costume or whatever, right? But then if he goes out onto a major league baseball field and steps up to the plate and consistently hits 90 mile an hour fastballs, then I'm like, okay, the dude's probably a pro baseball player. Right? It authenticates who he said that he was. Jesus rising from the dead authenticates his claim of being the son of God. Because who else could rise from the dead? Who else does that? Nobody does that. It's not like something you can learn or go to school for. It's not something you're born with. Like, hey, this is our son, Timmy. You should see him play tennis. This is his brother, Johnny. He rises from the dead. Like, you're not born with that. It's not some gift. You only do it if you're the son of God. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus was declared to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have yet to run into somebody, although they're out there, I just, they don't talk to me or whatever, who has anything legitimately bad to say about Jesus. Right, I've met Muslims who are like, hey man, Jesus was a, a good prophet, like a legit good prophet. I have Hindu friends who, who think that uh, Jesus went to India for a little while during his teenage years and then came back as a guru to Israel and came back as this like great guru. I have Jewish friends who are like, hey man, I don't necessarily think he was the Messiah, but man, he was a great rabbi. He was one of the great rabbis of Israel and great teachers of Israel. I even have atheist friends who quote the words of Jesus and then post them on their Instagram feeds. Right? Nobody, nobody's talking, about, talking trash about Jesus, at least not in this country. Not really very many people talking trash about Jesus. But you can't call him a prophet or a guru or a great rabbi and then ignore what he says. Either Jesus is who he says he is or he's a lunatic or at best a liar. But even if you think he's a lunatic, or a liar, you still can't escape the fact that he rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, 
then that authenticates everything that he said. The resurrection is his seal. It's his stamp of authenticity. I'm going to be honest. uh, We had a a baby that died from a birth defect a couple of years ago. His name was Nehemiah. And since then, I've questioned a lot of things about God. You know, I became a Christian when I was 16. So I wasn't asking a whole lot of questions or questioning a whole lot of stuff. I wasn't analyzing a whole lot of stuff. But then you, you grow up a little bit. You watch some bad stuff happen. You have to watch your son take his last breath in your arms. And you watch friends and family, little and old, die from stuff like cancer. You watch friends' marriages fall apart. And then you travel the world. I get to travel. I've been in like almost 30 countries because I play music. And so you travel a lot and you meet a lot of people. And you see people from other religions. And it's seen, they talk about like having these, some experience with God. And so you begin to wonder, man, is this real? Is this like Jesus thing actually real? When you're young, you kind of know everything, right? Raise your hand if you're like 20 years old or under. You guys know everything, right? Like you know more than your parents. You know more than your grandparents. You know more than your older siblings. Or at least that's what you think. But the older I get, it seems like the way less I actually know. I realize that God is bigger and gnarlier and more mysterious than I could have ever dreamed. And the older I get, the more I realize that I don't actually have a clue how the universe works. Nor do I have a clue how and why God does things. I don't have answers to a lot of questions. But no matter what I do, I cannot escape the evidence, both historically and personally, experientially, that Jesus actually is alive, that he actually did rise from the dead. And if Jesus is alive, then he really is who he says he is. And that means all of it. That means for you, Christian, when Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. Say amen if you had a little trouble. Okay, right? In this world, you're going to have some trouble. But be of good cheer, he said. Put a, put a smile on your face. For I've overcome the world. That means that when, when Jesus says, I'm, n- I'm not going to leave you. I won't leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age. That you can bank on that. And when Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary. You who are are tired, you are thirsty, come to me, I'll give you life. I'll give you rest. I'll give you water that you can trust him. And when Jesus says to the person who doesn't know him yet, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, talking about himself, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that you can take those words to heart, that you can take that to the bank. You know, Jesus said and did a lot of things. But ultimately, why he came is really simple. He came, one, to show us what God is like. He said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at the life of Jesus. And secondly, he came to seek out and save lost people. Jesus said, the Son of Man, talking about himself, comes to, has come to seek and save those who are lost. And you know what? He's still doing that. Right now, he's doing that. Jesus is seeking some of you. And he wants to save you. Now, I know some of you say, hey, dude, I, 
save me from what? Like, I don't need to be saved. I don't, I don't need saving. Well, I would say that Jesus, the, the, the rabbi, the guru, the prophet, the one who proved himself to be the son of God by rising from the dead, would actually say, do you do need saving? Because we are all perishing apart from God and thus need saving. And today God wants to save you from something and wants to save you to something. God wants to save you from the penalty of sin. We were all born with this disease, not a physical one, it's a spiritual one, it's called sin. You ever wondered why uh, we have the capacity to harm one another? Me included, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. Why we have the capacity to do and say some of the things that we do and say, to deceive, to cheat, to lie. Why is our normal MO, our go-to MO, to look out for me and get what's mine? It's a result of this spiritual disease called sin. I, I have a four-year-old. His name is Kingston. Kingston, are you in here? Hi, Kingston. I love you. It's all right. Hi, buddy. I never had to teach Kingston how to lie. He just does it sometimes. Right? Like, he just does it sometimes. It's because he was born with this disease called sin. We were all born with this disease called sin. He needs to be saved. And God looks at our sin as a just judge. And he says, somebody's got to pay for that. Right? Just like you break the law, you got to pay for it. God is a, the, most, the cleanest, most just judge. And he looks at our sin and says, somebody's got to pay for that. He's righteous and holy. And he doesn't turn a blind eye. He's not like some grandparent who's like, oh, it's all right. Like some of y'all are grandparents in here. That's how y'all treat your grandkids, huh? You're like, oh, your parents will deal with it. Right? You don't, you don't punish your grandkids' sin sometimes. God is not like that. He's not some grandpa in the sky who winks at our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to pay for that. And so that's why Jesus came. He came to die. And that's why Jesus died. He died to pay our debt. I know, I know it's hard to hear whatever, but we got debt. You've got debt. He came to pay your debt, my debt, because he loved us. I mentioned a minute ago that the wages of sin is death, right? But the rest of that scripture says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's for you today. It's for you. It's free. It's for you. But like any gift, you got to receive it, right? If I, if I owned that Ferrari with the V12, 730 horsepower, and I said, brother, sister, I want to give you this gift. It's only yours if you receive it. You got to humble yourself and be like, wow, thank you, Don. And receive that, right? You got to receive that today. The Bible says that to all who believed in his name and to all who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So here's my question. Do you want to be made right with God today? Then believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. Believe that he was raised from the dead. And receive him. Receive him into your life. 
welcome him into your life. God did all that needed to be done. And he stands here with a free gift of salvation. But you got to receive it. But God doesn't just want to save us from something, sin. But God also wants to save us to something. He wants to save us to himself. Did you know that you were created to have a relationship with God? And that not just that, but listen, every good experience you've ever had in this life is just a taste of what you were really made for. So that relationship that you love so much, that that love that's intoxicating, that stoke that you get from catching a, a good wave or taking a nice hike or drinking a good coffee, that feeling and experience that you have from tasting a perfectly prepared meal, it's a taste. That's all it is. Every good thing we experience in this life is just a foreshadow of something better. And you may not realize it yet. You may not know what to call it. But it all points to the architect. All of creation points to a creator. Just like those, that violin and that viola and that cello all point to somebody who made it. Like that guitar points to a luthier. That's what you call somebody who makes a guitar. It, point, like, it didn't just appear. It all points to, whoa, who made that? Who made that thing? In the same way, all of creation points to the creator. And I'm not here to debate how the world came to be or how old it is. Because honestly, dude, I don't know. And for the record, you don't actually either. But I do know, I do know this, though, that God was there. The Bible says in the beginning, God was there. I don't know how he did it, but, like, he was there in the beginning. And and he, this, this one, this God says, I want a relationship with you. I want to give you life. I want to bring you to myself and I want to give you life. I'm going to seek you out and I'm going to save you from sin. I'm going to save you to myself. And it's there in that that you find life. Not just a foreshadow, not just a taste, but actual life. Jesus called it abundant life. He said, I want to give you abundant life. But not just abundant life here on this planet, but abundant eternal life. For those who trust in Jesus, there is hope after the grave. There is life after death. This is not the end for those who trust in Jesus. Listen, I don't, I don't get a commission today for like if you believe in Jesus or something. I just get the satisfaction of knowing that a beggar, a fellow beggar, got to show another beggar where some spiritual bread was. You're a sinner, man. It's, it's okay, we all are, but you are in need of a savior, a savior, a savior to save you from the penalty of sin and save you to a relationship with God. And I believe that God brought you here today. You may think that you came because it's Easter, that's what you do, or you came with somebody because somebody invited you, but, but I think God wanted you here because he wanted to talk to you. That's how much he loves you. He knew if you got in this room that maybe you'd be able to hear him say some things to you and some of you guys know it right now. That feeling that you're feeling inside, that thing, that thing that's stirring, is, that's God talking to you. Some of y'all are still in your heads though right now. You're like, dude, you're trying to figure it all out. You're trying to reason it all out. Stop trying to figure it out. It's bigger than you. We're talking about a being that is way bigger than us. We're talking about uh, a force that's more powerful than us. We're talking about a kind of love and sacrifice that cannot be comprehended or understood. And like a tiny little ship, 
in a big old storm, you just got to surrender. You just got to surrender to it. You got to acknowledge the epicness and surrender. So today you got to acknowledge the epicness of God and the gnarliness of the sacrifice of Jesus, the greatness of his love, and just surrender. Would you pray with me? God, we acknowledge today that your love is really great. Your love is really huge. That you're way bigger than we could comprehend. And we want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying. We acknowledge that your rising from the dead proves that you really are the Son of God. That you really are the Savior of the world. There's some here today, Lord, that that don't know that yet. They don't know you like that yet. They don't know the abundant life that comes from knowing you. And so I would just ask that you would draw them to yourself right now. I'm agreeing with my brothers and sisters and saying, Lord, would you draw them to yourself, to life? Not just to say like, oh, some people knew Jesus today, but because that's where life is. Would you say to them today, come home, daughter. Come home, son. I want to give some people here today an opportunity to respond to all of this. Kids, I want to give you an opportunity. Grown-ups, I want to give everybody an opportunity. God saw the problem of sin and then he responded in love. He saw the, the problem of us being far from him and responded in love by sending Jesus to pay for our sin and to bring us back to him. Jesus responded by giving his life. And today I want to invite you to respond to him. And just like Jesus gave his life publicly, I want to ask you to publicly respond. In a minute, if if you want to respond to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to to stand up, to actually physically stand up where you're at. And here's why I'm going to ask you to stand up. There was something significant about making a physical move. Like when you choose to go somewhere and you physically are like, I'm stepping onto that plane, I'm stepping onto that train and I'm going. Or you physically choose to put a ring on your finger saying, I'm, I'm choosing to marry you. You're saying, I'm choosing this thing and I'm illustrating my choosing by taking this action. So today, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to take the action of standing up if you want to believe in Jesus. Receive him today. So if you today acknowledge Hey, I, I am a sinner. I, I get it, man. I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died to save me. And I want to receive him today. I want to be made right with God today. I want to follow Jesus. Then in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And that, that standing is going to be your first step in following Jesus. There's some of you guys here today who are like, dude, I, I have believed. I have received Jesus. I used to follow him. But if I was going to be totally honest with myself, I, I'm, not, I'm not following Jesus. Maybe you've just been wandering or distracted or preoccupied or just beat up by life. But today, you know God's calling you home. Today, I'm going to ask you to stand too, saying, no, I, want to, I want to come home. So right now, while Brian's just kind of playing some music, We're just going to take a couple of minutes, and if you want to follow Jesus, whether it's for the first time or you're coming back to him, then go ahead and stand up.
Listen, God loves you. God loves you today, man. God, God loves you. God demonstrated his love for you in sending Jesus to save you, to save you to himself. And listen, there is nothing, there is no sin that's too great. There's no chains that are too strong that he can't break. We're going to give it just a couple more minutes here. If there's anybody who says, I want to believe in Jesus today. I want to receive him. Go ahead and stand up where you're at. Come on. I think there's at least one more person in this room. Come on, stand up. There you go. And in the standing, man, in the, in the surrender, there is freedom. There is freedom. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to pray right now. And it's good to say this out loud. You can just whisper it if you want. But in your own words, you're just going to talk to Jesus right now. And he hears you. In your own words, just say something like, Jesus, I believe in you. <laughs> Save me. I receive you into my life. I want to follow you. If you're sitting down around one of the, these brothers or sisters who st- stood up, maybe just stand up. Don't be creepy, but maybe just give them a little side hug. Go ahead and stand up. You're just sitting next to somebody right there. Yeah, yeah, Stand up. Maybe just tell them, welcome to the family of God. Welcome home. Can we all stand together? Hey, I think there's, I think there's maybe a third person here tonight or today in this room who's like, hey, man, I, I wasn't ready to stand today to make that decision. But I think I'm ready to start the conversation about Jesus, about this whole Jesus thing. I think I'm ready to start the conversation. If that's you, then today, can you just tell somebody, the person you came with or somebody who knows Jesus, who fo- a Christian who follows Jesus, just tell them, all you got to say is, I'm ready to start the conversation. Or if that's too scary for you, even if they're sitting next to you, just text them right now. Just say, I'm ready to start the conversation. And if that's too much, just say, ready. Right? And listen, if, if you were sitting next to somebody who stood up today, uh, I, I want you at some point today to just ask them, just say, hey, what, what did that mean for you? Why did you stand up? And listen, you, you're, you're a you're a Christian. Like, you got, you got the power of God. You who brought those people who stood up today, man, you bring them along in Jesus. Te- teach them stuff from the scriptures. Pray with them. Bring them to church. Right? Like, that's you. You got the power to do that. Here's what we're going to do right now. We're going we're gonna to continue to sing and If you're new to this whole thing and you just came to Jesus, man, this is going to be a really cool moment for you because all of a sudden those lyrics that are on that screen are going to mean something. What we do is we worship God, right? Like we worship God through a lot of ways. One of the ways is through singing, through playing music. And the reason we have the lights off on the stage is because this isn't a show. This isn't a concert. We're here to sing and to worship God. So, you, man, you do that. If you're tone deaf, you don't know the words, that's all right. Just sing. You want to dance, you can dance. You want to lift your hands. You want to sit down, stand up, whatever. But we're going to take about 15 minutes to sing about this risen Christ. All right?